a reading from the book of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed the fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I am just delighted to be here. It's always nice to speak to a Presbyterian congregation because I can say that God has a plan and purpose for the lives of refugees and I won't get challenged by it. <laughs> Thank you, John Calvin. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a joy to be here. I'm gonna, uh, I have been asked by Megan to share my testimony this morning. And then I'm going to share a little bit about Gateway of Grace, and hopefully that would um, interest you. Uh, I am from Iran. I was born and raised as a Muslim. My family was nominally Muslim, so there was never a conversation about religion at home. And when I was six, I had a vision of the Virgin Mary. I was in a mountainous place. It was dark. I fell, and I couldn't get up. And there was this huge rock. This lady came from behind the rock. She was all in white. She held my hand, picked me up, and she said that she was married. And when she did that, something just went through me, and I just loved her. And I asked my mom, who's Mary? And she said, which Mary? Because Mary is a common name. I told her what I had seen, and she said, oh, that's Mary, the mother of Prophet Jesus. So since then, I knew that I wanted to be where Mary was. And uh, I had no idea where that was. When I was nine, I saw a black and white movie called The Song of Bernadette, and that's when I received my calling into ministry. I knew that my life belonged to the church, and I had no idea what the church was. Eventually, I learned a little bit about the church, and at the time in Iran, all you knew about the church was the Catholic Church. So I wanted to be a nun. That didn't happen. And I got married when I was very young. I was 15. My husband was a Sunni Muslim, I was Shia, and um, Sunnis are a persecuted minority in Iran. So it's a long story of that how he was uh, persecuted, um, and as all of that was happening, we had two children, I finished uh, high school, went to college, got my bachelor's degree, master's degree, and the first semester I was working on my PhD, there was a, more, uh, there was a knock on the door one morning, and when I opened the door, Life as we knew it just ended. The intelligence service came in, they tore the house apart, and they found a copy of Salman Rushdie's Satanic Verses. Some of you may remember that. It was a big deal back in the 80s. Some of you are too young to remember that. 
And that was the end of our life. The government took everything that we had, shut down our bank accounts, um, my husband's businesses. Uh, luckily enough, he wasn't home at the time when they came. And we escaped Iran empty-handed, with no documentations, with two children. We had to walk through four feet of snow over two nights through the mountains to save our lives. We nearly froze to death. I could feel blood getting slower and slower in my veins, and I thought we were finished. But God was amazingly present, and he saved us. So this morning, what I'm hoping for you to hear is not my story, but the story of God's grace and how far-reaching it is. It reaches people and places that we can't even imagine. We went to Turkey. My husband called his brothers who were in Dubai. They sent us money. We hired a smuggler to take us to Canada where we could get political asylum. They gave us, the smugglers gave us fake passports with fake visas to Mexico and a one-day dated transit visa to Paris. So we had this one day to cross over. So the day before our flight, we were sitting in our hotel room and someone is telling me, go get the visa check. It was almost like an audible voice. So I told my husband, let's go get the visa check. He said, are you crazy? These are fake passports with fake visas. You want to go get them checked intentionally? I said, well, I just know we should do this. I went and, you know, I was 23, 24. I had never done anything adventurous like that before. So I went to the embassy and told the lady there, I said, excuse me, may I speak with the ambassador, please? And she said, you have an appointment? I said, no. Anyway, back and forth, back and forth, you have to have an appointment. The ambassador walked by and he overheard us and he called me. So I went to his office and um, I told him what I needed. And uh, he said, okay, that's fine. He looked at the visa wrote me a note, signed and sealed it, and gave me his card, and he said, call me if you have any problem. And I said, well, our flight is at 6 a.m., you're not gonna be at the office if I have a problem. He took his card back, wrote his home phone number on the back of the card, and he said, call me anytime. The next day we went to the airport, um, and it was Air France, and they said we couldn't get on board because the visa for Mexico didn't have an expiration date. And I said, well, here's the number for the ambassador. Uh, and they called and the ambassador answered at 3.30 in the morning and we got on board. Got to Mexico and the smugglers who were supposed to take us to Canada, they basically abandoned us in the middle of Mexico City, the largest city in the world with nothing. We had less than $500, two children, no documentation, no, no way forward, no way backward. And on the 10th day that we were there, I saw um, a store that said Oriental rugs, and I figured, well, that may have something to do with Persian rugs. Went up to the store and said in English, I said, do you have any Persian rugs? And by my accent, he immediately knew I was Iranian, and he started speaking back Farsi to me. And I said, stay right here, I'm gonna go get my husband. So I got my husband, he came up, and as soon as he saw him, he said, aren't you the son of Mr. So-and-so? That guy's father had been my husband's tenant back in our hometown. Now, what are the odds? Every step that we took, it's a, such a long story, I'm giving you the uh, five-minute version of it. Then we were in Mexico for a year, came to the U.S. eventually, uh, crossed the border at New Laredo, walked through the river, 
and ended up in Dallas. We got to Dallas at 7 a.m. A cab driver took us to a Motel 6 from downtown bus station. I saw yellow pages, which I had never seen one before. I started looking, saw apartment locators. And after calling, I found out that we couldn't rent an apartment because we didn't have jobs or social security numbers. But as I was turning the pages, I saw Islamic Center, so I called them up. And they said that they couldn't help us, but they knew of a lady who worked with refugees. They gave me the number, I called the lady, she sent someone. By 9.30, this guy was at our door and he said, I have a place, I'm not sure if you're gonna like it or not. He took us to a two bedroom, fully furnished apartment on Skillman and Adelia. By 11.30, we were in our own apartment, we had done our grocery shopping, we had paid a month of rent in a city that we didn't know a soul with no documentation. Now these people, they were Christians, but they worked with Bosnian refugees who were Muslims, that's how the mosque knew of them. And they had prepared that apartment for a Bosnian family that was supposed to come a month before us. They never showed up, so it was just sitting there. We walked right into it. And uh, when I, this man was a member of a local Baptist church. And when I told him about my interest in Christianity, he said, why don't you all come to church with us? And we went, and uh, six months later, I was baptized there. Then eventually went to seminary at Perkins and joined the Episcopal Church, second year in seminary, and uh, was ordained a priest. And after my curacy was, um, well, before it came to an end, I started praying, asking God what it was that he wanted me to do. And I figured, you know, it's not like there is a shortage of clergy in Dallas for God to bring an Iranian woman all the way from Iran to serve in a church setting, because as lovely and as sweet as that would be, it would have nothing to do with my experiences and with what God had taught me through those experiences. So I prayed and um, started a ministry called Gateway of Grace. Now, Gateway of Grace is a cross-denominational ministry. We believe that Jesus Christ has one body, one church. He doesn't have denominations even though we all have our preferences, but when it comes to mission, we can serve together, and together we can serve more faithfully. So that's the idea behind that. And the other uh, distinguishing factor about Gateway of Grace is that it started by me, by someone who, is, who has been a refugee and who knows the culture. So the model was an inside-out model. It was based on refugees' experiences, not what someone else would see and would think is, would be best for the refugees. And um, it grew very rapidly, and it became the largest refugee ministry uh, in North Texas with over 90 partner churches, and Kenyon Creek is one of our most faithful partner churches. We are very grateful. Now, you may ask, why should we reach refugees? Who are these refugees? Right? There are so many passages in the Bible that we can refer to when it comes to um, loving and caring for refugees. But I want to share something that you may not have thought about or you may have. Um, Jesus says, if you who are sinners want what is good for your child, how much more your heavenly father would give you good things, right? So refugees are people for whom Christ has died. These are people who have lost everything. 
that they've had everything that they've worked for, for various reasons, right? Now, if you had a child, and your child for some reason would have to leave the United States, your child, let's say, was 16, and um, you were deciding, okay, where, where, where should I send this child that has to leave the US, okay? Would you send your child to Switzerland, or would you send your child to Yemen? <laughs> Anyone votes for Yemen? No one? How about Saudi Arabia? Right? If you want what is good for your child, what do you think God wants for people for whom Christ is died? People who were born into families, you know, many of them are persecuted Christians, many of them are Muslims, but they didn't make, make those choices, they were born into it, right? Do you think God would want these people to come to the U.S. and hear the gospel and get to know him and to love him? Or do you think God would want for them to go to Saudi Arabia or Yemen or Iran? and experience more of the same oppressive, oppressiveness that they've already experienced. What do you think God would want? Right? So that's one way of looking at it. Now there are realities, and, I, and I'm not uh, diminishing the importance of those realities. There are unknowings, there are fears, and, and I totally get that, right? My mom is a persecuted Christian in Iran, and about two weeks ago, she had a heart attack under interrogation because of her Christian faith. So I get all of those concerns that exist, you know, I'm dealing with them every day in my own life. But as a Christian, I have to look past those and say, okay, what is God doing? Right? What is God doing in the lives of these refugees? So at Gateway of Grace, we have many ministries we have a school that teaches um, uh, really life-giving skills to refugees, many of them very oppressed women. Um, we teach them English, we teach them cultural literacy. But that's just the beginning of it. It's very important, it's just the beginning of it. We also have ministries that uh, you guys go and do um, outside of our school. And these are life-transforming ministries. About a year and a half ago, we had a woman uh, from our Wednesday night worship community called Grace Community. Uh, she was a persecuted Christian from Iran, and she brought her neighbor, who was a Muslim refugee from Iraq. This woman was all covered. Uh, she was 29. She had five children. Her husband had been kidnapped by ISIS, so she was alone. And uh, she needed all sorts of things. She worked at McDonald's, made this much money, and because she had five children, her rent, she had to rent a three bedroom, so her rent was this much. So she needed rent. And we are not really set up to provide long-term rent for refugees, but what could we tell her? We, could we tell her that Jesus loves you, but it's okay for you to become homeless? So we started helping her, and she kept you know, paying her rent, and she kept coming back. And then she started going to church as she experienced more 
of the community and the love, the unconditional love. And this year, we were able to secure a grant to send her, all her five children to Christian private school. And you should see the transformation. She tells us that when she goes to church and sees the cross, she is lifted out of her circumstances. Right? And at the, at the beginning, she was all covered up and all that, and now she has taken the headscarf off. At least when she's with us or she's at parties with us. Her kids love to read and memorize the Bible. One of his sons, uh, his name is Hamza. When you, when you, if you come to our Wednesday night worship, he grabs you and he wants to read his Bible for you. He's seven. And on Sundays, he goes to the altar rail and he kneels and he closes his little eyes, you know, and he's so intent on receiving a blessing. And what that reminds me of is that God had always been after the heart of that little Hamza. God had always been after the heart of that woman, right? And now we get to be, we are honored to be a part of what God is already doing in their lives. We are very excited about what's happening about the transformation, the healing and restoration that God is bringing through the ministry of all of our partner churches. Gave Your Grace is not about me. Um, I couldn't do anything without you guys. It belongs to God and it belongs to God's church. And there are so many ways that you can connect. We are not too far down the street. You know, we are only 20 minutes down on the highway. And so many refugees are in need of your help, your friendship, and your support. And you can make a real difference in their lives. You can bring hope, you can bring joy, and you can bring the love of God into their lives. And um, I really would love to connect with you, to connect with your small groups, Sunday school classes, uh, rotary clubs, whatever setting, you know. I would love to have coffee with you. There are uh, brochures on the missions table that you can... Um, pick up and you know, email me or fill out a volunteer application and, uh, and help us together serve ref refugees. And it's, a, it's been just a blessing to me personally. Uh, I have experienced healing and transformation. I used to hate hierarchies because of the war. I grew up during the war and God has changed and has healed all of that. Um, so it's possible. For God, you know, it's more than possible. You know, God does change our hearts. And, um, you know, we are there to serve. And I hope that you can join us. And uh, we are grateful for our partnership with Canyon Creek. Um, and with that, I am going to close us in prayer. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day, for this Resurrection Sunday, for um, that we experience your, the power of resurrection and your grace. Uh, afresh. Thank you for every Sunday that uh, we are free to come and to worship you. We ask that you um, open our hearts to what you have for us to do. We ask that you change us, you make us, you break us, but don't leave us to our own understanding and to our own devices, Lord. We ask that you open our hearts to, um, to the mission that you have for us. Thank you for allowing us broken vessels to be your instruments in the lives of uh, so many um, people, including the refugees. And we ask that you uh, bless our works and our ministries in Jesus' name. Amen.